This is Platine's One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed as you are with Dundee and Dundee United. This week, Scotland remain on course for the World Cup playoff, and it's back to domestic business for Dundee and United. Hello, welcome back to another week of Twa Teams, and we're starting this week the only place to start is Scotland. How great are we, boys? I suppose we should start with you, because you and you you were in the crowd at Hamden on Saturday. Actually, you know what I'll start with? I was telling George off air. That's a, that's a technical term earlier. As I admitted last week, I went and booked my dinner on Saturday at the wrong time. So I never actually saw the match live. But we went for an, an aperitif, the wife and I. That's a, that's a drink before your meal, chaps. And went and found a quiet pub, no TV, because I just said, well, that's it. I'll find out about the game later. And here's four drunk boys who had tickets for the game, who'd got on the wrong train, and by the time they realised it was going to Dundee, they just decided to have a day in Dundee instead of going to the game. And I have to say, Hamden's gain was Dundee's loss. They were absolutely <laughs> bluttered. Yeah. But actually, to speak to someone who bothered to use their ticket at Hamden must have been pretty special, <laughs> you and on Saturday. Oh, it's amazing. I just wish we were recording this podcast on Sunday. Well, maybe not Sunday because it was maybe a little bit uh, still jubilant on Sunday. Maybe Monday morning or something like that. I wish we were recording it because I was on such a high. I mean, I watched the videos over and over and over again. Um, I don't know how many times I've seen Scott McTominay's winning goal. Um, probably, it's probably close to a thousand times. I'm not even exaggerating now. Um, so I was on such a high on Monday thinking, God, I actually had us winning the World Cup again, you know, like I predicted that a few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but then you just bump right back down to earth after uh, last night, don't you? Because it's called reality bites. syndrome. Yeah, reality bites. I think it was Bear that I had said last week, um, talking about Georgia. I think he cited the example of Georgia. You know, we can win the big games, you know, like, like this real game was a massive game to win. Um, we can win the big games like that, but then we just come bumping down to earth with usually a, a dodgy result and it was almost a dodgy result last night but I mean if I can go back quickly to the game on Saturday um, the thing that delighted me most about that was that I was getting really annoyed at Israel and their time-wasting tactics they were continually I mean their goalkeeper was taking an age over goal kicks they were rolling about and it was just it was poetic justice for me that we scored the winning goal in the third minute of injury time and the injury time had been caused by all their time wasting. So that made it even more special for me. But what a night. I mean, what it's probably one of the best feelings I've ever had walking outside Hamden after that. You know, it just felt like you'd been in such a such an entertaining movie for the last like ninety seven minutes or ninety six minutes. But yeah, fabulous. So let's just think about Saturday. And last night it was job done. We got the result. It wasn't pretty, but we got the result that's edging us a bit closer to the playoffs. Any of the other two agree or disagree with that? No, I would disagree. Uh, no, disagree. I would agree entirely. I mean, what a, what a night Saturday was. I mean, just just I was I was actually watching it at home, which was surprising. Um, a, a few things fell through, so I wasn't actually in the boozer, um, which was a pity because I, I, I can imagine it would have been a really really good night. Um, I thought the performance was fantastic against Israel. Um, I, I mean, I, I even thought the first half wasn't wasn't as bad as a lot of people were making out. They lost, they lost bad goals, isn't there? That there's 
you know, there's no doubt. But credit to them for the second half display, which was probably, you know, their the, the best 45 minutes in years. You know, it was, it was quite incredible the way they managed to keep going, the way they showed, um, you know, belief that they could actually get something. And, and it was, it was, you know, it wasn't just throwing balls into the box and hoping for the best. They were, they were recycling the ball, going down the sides. Billy Gilmore was outstanding. That, that young lad has come on. I mean, if you can imagine his emergence in the last six months from being, you know, just a young lad on the periphery to now being an integral part of the national side, you really don't see him leaving, you know, bar injury, leaving that position in the team now for the next 10 years. And what a, what a, what a place to be for, for Scotland and for the lad himself, because he can only improve. Um, but no, it was great and the, the excitement was there for everyone to see. And I think... You know, for me, when, when you saw the pictures coming through from the National Stadium, so many, I mean, you were there, you and I, mean, I believe you were, were your young lad, were you there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. well, you were sort of mirrored hundreds of times over, fathers and sons. And I think Saturday night would have created a whole new generation of Scotland fans because your young lad will never forget that experience of being there and scoring such a late goal. And that, that, that'll bring them back for years to come, which is a great thing for the National side and great for the SFA as well. So... Yeah, brilliant, brilliant performance on Saturday. I think they did have a wee bit of a hangover last night, obviously, against the Faroe Islands. Oh, I don't like AstroTurf. I think it's much easier to set yourself up and defend against teams on AstroTurf. The ball doesn't move move as smoothly as it does on a wet grass surface. Um, I don't think it's as easy to control. But saying that, Scotland were poor. Um, uh, but they got there. And, you know, you, there has been a few... We, times when people have mentioned that Steve Clark is a lucky manager. I think he is quite a lucky manager. And I'll go back to when he took over at Kilmarnock and Dundee were beating them 2-1 down at Rugby Park. Uh, Kilmarnock were down to 10 men and they ended up beating Dundee 3-2 that night. If you can remember that, Tom, we'll get that in there. <laughs> and I think I remember saying to myself, that's Steve Clark, he's a lucky, he's a lucky, a lucky bugger, you know. So, But I think, I, I think you need that. You need that. I mean, yeah. but I think he is a good manager. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. But as much as luck, Tom, it's it's about belief. And he instills that in the players. There's a belief there now that they will score late in games. That's that's not luck. You believe you're going to score. Yeah. There's a good chance that you will get a goal. And that's what's happened time and time again over the last week with Scotland. And, you know, it's a great place to be. And they've, they've got themselves in with a chance. They've got themselves in with a chance. So long may it continue. Bear George mentioned... Steve Clark is a lucky manager there. I mean, it's occurred to me, mm. and I'm as guilty as anybody. To me, Steve Clark's a manager that makes mistakes at times with his tactics and times with his selection. But is he one? Of, is he also one of that rare breed? It strikes me he can affect games by making changes during the ninety minutes. And punters be surprised how many managers have got a plan, and if it doesn't work, they're stuck. But he seems to be able to tweak things see things and improve on them if need be. Yeah, I think he's got that back. I think it helps that he's got the options as well because our squad's pretty good, particularly in midfield in terms of the players. They saw that in the, the Pharaohs game. Me and you were, were talking on the, the work chat about how what a difference Cal McGregor made when he came on. Um, and not everyone's got players like Cal McGregor that can come on because uh, he he really controls the midfield and, and dictates what's going on. But I, I was quite happy with last night. I don't think, we didn't play very well, but it was never going to be a, it was never going to be a good game. We didn't we didn't think it'd be as bad as it was, but but it was all about. <laughs> I don't I don't mind it being bad because we won. And, uh, you look at and it, we Den- needed to win. Denmark we got it done. Eighty fifth so. minute to win there. 
Exactly. And I think, did the Faroe Islands not get a goal chopped off in that game? It went to VAR. Kareen wins up, if I Maybe. remember rightly. Oh, yeah. And they had a man sent off yeah. as well yeah. in Faroe Islands. So. I think they're okay compared to what well, they used to be. Well, looking at them now and even 20 years ago almost when we had the disastrous 2-2 draw there, <laughs> they actually, yeah. they, look, they look like an international team walking on the now. park. Yeah. They're, they're fit. They're ah. strong. They're, they're tactically much more astute. Whereas, I mean, before, they were a bit of a joke. The boy... It was a, a lovely no, novelty, the goalie wearing the bobble That's hat. Right. That's right, I remember it that. did make you laugh at them, and <laughs> that did. maybe wasn't the best thing for them. Yeah, his, his, his son actually came on as a sub. Yeah, I, I, I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Was he wearing a bubble? No, hat? no, no, he looked a bit more professional. Right. But you know, you're right, they, they had some statistic, I didn't check it out on the TV, about how they've won nine out of their last 20 games at home. The Faroe Islands, which yeah. for me was Thank quite striking, and I know they pointed out that the Nation League's involved in that, and they'll be in a lower Nations League, so mm-hmm. technically they would have uh, easier opposition. But I think we need to give them a little bit of credit because they were quite well organised. You know, they were their, their team was well set out. Um, they worked really hard. They had a little bit of technical ability as well. We saw that with John McGinn got mm-hmm. um, completely sent the wrong way by one of the players that took him past, and, and yeah, okay, we're not saying Scotland should be winning games like that, but they did win and they got through, they got the result and it wasn't pretty, but let's forget about it and move on, you know? Exactly. Yeah, well, these... that's the thing. We got the job done. We needed the three well, points. I, must admit, I, had to look, I had to look up to see what the score was against and I've already forgotten what the Pharaohs win, winning margin was at Hamden. Because in all, all honesty, the only thing you want is the three points. You forget these games quickly because they're... they're they're not great spectacles. They're never going to be great spectacles. Mm. And in fairness to Pharaohs, unlike a, a lot of the minnows, they actually had a go when they had the ball. I mean, they did tire yeah, in the yeah, second half so, and the yeah. ball it got longer and longer, I felt. But but the first half, they, they put passes together and when they got the ball, they tried to attack and attack in numbers. And and thank thank God for Craig Gordon and some really bad finishing <laughs> as well. <laughs> I, th- I think it's a good sign though for Scotland that if we're, if we're not playing well we can still keep the other team out and we can grab that goal it's a bit of luck Linda uh, Dykes scoring with his belly or whatever made a off. great run uh, I, don't, I don't know why nah, why did it take I mean, so long for VAR to come to a decision that was a goal I mean I, as soon as I saw when I, I, I once saw it, it the second ball. time it was clear it had come off his, his chest nah. his torso yeah thank God for VAR I mean, the 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 one against Israel would have been a tra- travesty if that was chopped off for Dykes, wouldn't it? Well, you know, Neil Austria away. So I think I think I read a tweet somewhere somebody had said today that um, if VAR doesn't get a call up to the Scotland World Cup squad, <laughs> then Stevie Clark's not doing his job properly. But absolutely, I, I think. But in fairness, all three VAR decisions have been correct. Yep. I mean, we can be biased as we want, but all three have been correct. I thought the penalty in Austria was was pretty uh, generous. I thought on oh, no. Behalf. But no, I think the ones. Uh, I thought last night's was the, a goal. The, the Dyke school on Dyke school on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Admit, when I so I was getting, I mean, my mind. I was sitting in a restaurant, and the, the first half I was getting messages from my mate, and the first half was FFS, and the second half was OMG, which was uh, <laughs> we won't go to what FFS stands for, but oh my god, was a lot more <laughs> encouraging. Uh, but when I saw, I must admit, when I saw the Dyke's goal. I'd just seen, I'd, uh, before I watched the game, I watched the goals and the, the major incidents. I saw him miss the penalty. And then my first reaction when I saw the Dykes goal, I have to be honest, was, oh, goodness, you got a goal chalked off. as They've missed a penalty, got a goal chalked off, and still won 3-2. And it was only then that I realised that they gave the goal. Because to be 
to be fair, if I was Israel, I would have, I'd have moaned quite a lot about the goal because I thought he's the the guy was entitled to go with it, go with his head for it. So it was it was a fifty fifty. Uh, it would be for me. It was one of those mm. that both the team that didn't get it was going to be disappointed with the decision. Yeah, I didn't think he touched them in the head. That was what I know. It's not always the thing with the rules, but I felt the boy was was acting it up. Yeah, I think bit. I think he said was low enough to merit your boot being he high enough. Dive in the head you know, I think yeah. there was probably a, a limit of how high your boot can be, and I think his boot was probably on the limit. But I think he was just about right but it was exciting at the game though because that's the first time I've been to a game where there's actually been a VAR decision at the game and you see the wee camera just popping up from nowhere as the referee runs over you know and and I did wonder what it'd be like because you know you're a fan and, and you're celebrating a goal and then suddenly oh no it's maybe not a goal and you have to I, what do you do do you just talk among yourselves for a few minutes <laughs> oh, well we were, we were doing all the, the hype up thing you know when, when somebody's going to take a penalty and you're going oh <laughs> like that to, when the VAR was going so but I, I genuinely thought this is de- at the time I thought that's a clear goal. There's nothing wrong with that. So surely VAR will, will, will rule it in, and and uh, obviously it did. But yeah, it's it's well. In all honesty, no, we do say thank God for VAR because if VAR wasn't a thing, we probably wouldn't be in a qualifying position just now. We would have dropped yeah. dropped mm-hmm. points in Austria. We would have dropped points uh, against Israel. Um, last night, obviously, the goal would have stood because it's ironic. The country that so. doesn't have it in its domestic top flight loves it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bring it in. Bring it in. Yeah, <laughs> you could pay for it, you know, on your side. <laughs> that was a joke. Right, mo- moving on, but still on Scotland. Uh, I was up early today, and I know Ewan knows a bit about this too. It's actually it's interesting. Everybody's focused on Moldova, and rightly so. Three points secures a playoff place. But we might need points against Denmark as well because of the way the playoff seedings and whatnot work, eh? Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, essentially, because we're in a six-team group and there's some five-team groups, our results against the bottom side just get chopped off. So even if we beat Moldova 10-0, the goal difference won't make any difference, you know, So from that regard. So we need to win the game to get a secure second place. And then we essentially knock six points off of our tally. So we'll be down to 14 points going into the Denmark game. And I think that that puts us right on the edge of potentially not getting a, the, the best uh, second place uh, Point being spot. the top six, top six second place teams get the, yeah. are guaranteed a home semi-final. And, and that's a big that's a that's a big thing. I mean, we saw the impact of Hamden on Saturday. I mean, the atmosphere cannot be underplayed on Saturday. The Scotland fans were right behind the team. And I've said before, Scotland fans are quite patient supporters. They don't turn against the team very quickly at Hamden, you know, even when things are going wrong. And that's a massive advantage for us going into any playoff game if we get it at home. And it could be a big disadvantage if we go away, albeit we'll still have potentially if they're allowed to, you'll still have several thousand Scotland fans will make the journey to wherever the, the away game would be but um, I think we're in the playoffs, I'm pretty confident we're in the playoffs, I can't see us messing up both our last two games, especially even though Denmark are, um, have got an unblemished record, they haven't conceded a single goal, they've won all eight games and they'll probably be trying to win all ten games and probably go through it without conceding a single goal you still part of you thinks that when Denmark come to Glasgow that they might switch off just a little bit enough to allow Scotland to get some semblance of a result. Aye, Twenty minutes to go if it's close, and these boys, the Scotland players are flying about mad trying to get a goal. You do think the Danish players are thinking 
I'm already going to the World Cup. Why do Why do I need to take yeah. a chance? <laughs> I, th- I think as well, if Scotland, yeah. you know, if, if they do, as as we all imagine, we'll get to the playoffs. They'll have that experience now of you know going going long in games. If it takes penalties, it takes penalties. You know, I'll not be the end of the world. They're prepared to wait and 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 go right to the wire to get a result, whether that be at home or whether that be away from home. You know, they've done it in the past. So, you know, they've, they've got that mentality. We could do this regardless of the draw. You And I, I know it's you really want to be playing at Hamden for obvious reasons, but, you know, to go to Serbia and get a result over there and get yourself through, it was, was no sort of tall order. So, uh, yeah, I think I think if it does come to that, they can still they can still do it. My biggest worry for the, the playoffs is the opponent, it mm. might be. Uh, well, I was going to say, George, just looking you, at you the, get to the, pick. If, say Scotland... Yeah. Do, <laughs> finish second but slip out of the top six seeds as it stands just now that means they would play Portugal yeah. Switzerland Spain Poland Croatia or the Czech Republic you get to choose yeah. I don't want uh, none none uh, you? unless well we'll have VAR I mean so if, if they stay um, where they are they've got right now they've got the Czech Republic Norway Romania Ukraine and from the Nations League Wales or Austria Personally, yeah. I would pick Austria. That's, that sounds much better to me. Yeah, um, I think that will change a wee bit. I know that if Portugal, yeah. if Portugal Aye, well, win their two Spain games, Spain are playing Sweden. I think in Spain the win their two and, games, they'll but, both yeah. they'll both win the group. Their groups, I'm pretty sure. So definitely with Portugal, you'd think so. so. But it's definitely there's teams in there you just want to avoid. So that's I I don't care about home and away. I just avoid the good teams. So let's get seeded, please. See, see when it gets down to that stage, though, for me, when I put my tartan army. Tartan army hat on at that stage. I just think about what the trip will be like. I'm not bored about the game anymore. I'm thinking, like, what's a good country to visit? Because I'm planning to go to to whoever we get if we get away. Um, and I've been to Croatia before for a Scotland game, and I absolutely love Croatia. So I'd quite fancy going to Croatia. We might get beat, but hey, we'll have a good we'll have a good soiree over there. A couple of soirees over there in in Croatia. That's I think that's the stage that a lot of Tartan army get to. Um, they, they just think, well, that, what would yeah. be a good trip? Because we're not going to win the game, so let's go and enjoy ourselves. I remember, a, a I remember the mad old days of the swally. past, Tom, when Scotland yeah. played Australia in a playoff to get to the World Cup. <laughs> and we got the bus. We got the bus over. <laughs> it's funny you should say, I was, uh, I, it was never Scotland trips, um, but uh, when I was going away with United or Dundee, either pre-season or if they were in Europe, I was, I always liked to go to countries I wouldn't have gone to otherwise. Mm-hmm. I, I was a wee bit disappointed when United <laughs> United went to Spain for the preseason, and everyone said, "Oh, that's great!" But I said, oh, "I've been to Spain. I would like to go some. I'd like to go someplace <laughs> obscure." Yeah, I mean that's that's why I went to Georgia a few years ago because it was the kind of place that if I said to Jill, you know, well, we're going to be on holiday, we're going to go to Georgia for a few days, she would just look at me, you know, and <laughs> a, 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 like, I, but I you mean, need a holiday me, to like, get there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, Georgia was amazing, and that's why you've booked up to go to Moldova because there's no way Jill would go. Jill would uh, come along with the kids to go to Moldova for a wee weekend break, you know. So somewhere totally different. You're right. I think that's that's what it's all about. The adventure. It's just great that we're actually looking at it because let's yeah. let's look at look at the tables and look at Republic yeah. Island, for instance. Oh, They're below yeah. Luxembourg in their standings at the moment. You know, they've had a, an awful campaign. You know, so and over recent times Republic have done a lot better than us in qualifying so we're we're, we're shifting things Northern in. Ireland too collapsed yeah. last night against Bulgaria who I'd actually uh, saw I think it was a Sunday or Friday night they got they got beat from Lithuania 
in Northern <laughs> Ireland who, I mean, were contenders for qualification under Michael O'Neill. Just miles off it. So it's, we should, is, is that the thing, keeping our feet on the ground? Should we accept, if we go if we go to the playoff and we don't reach Qatar, it's still been progress. It's, we're still heading in the right direction. Yeah, because well, you look ahead, we are talking about seedings before, but when the, the groups for qualifying get drawn, you want to be as high as you can and then you avoid two. We saw over the past, what, 10, 15 years where we were just slipping down, slipping down. We ended up with two really big teams in our yeah. group and we struggled to then break in and get back into that second. And also, pop. guys, Gilmore, Patterson, McTominay, they're around for a long, long time, yeah. and none of the none of the others are well into the veteran stage. No, no. I mean, there's the Robertsons, McGregor's, and they can be around for another four, four or five years as well. Yeah. So all this experience it has to be good. You're and, right. The players you mentioned, you had Tierney to that, and, and again, and you know, and you really do start seeing a really strong nucleus of players playing at a very, very high level. I just wish we could we can really find someone of the ilk to play up in the front line. I no disrespect to Lyndon Dykes, who's done fantastically well with his goals. And and Che Adams, I believe that they're decent enough, but we lack, I think we do lack real quality that would make a massive difference. A massive difference to the team now, because I think we'll have, we'll have got a, a, a nucleus of a squad there that is capable of, of qualifying for major tournaments on a regular basis. If only we, can, we could find somebody up top who you could really go, wow, you know, you, you could pin your hopes on him 100% to get your goals time and time again. But in the meantime, I mean, Steve Clark gets the best out of what he's got. And, and fair play to Dykes. You know, he's, he's coming for criticism, you know, for, for certain aspects of his game and missing the penalty. But he just seems to bounce back up. He's that sort of guy. I'm not sure if it's sort of the, the Australian background. In him. It never seems to get down too long. He, always, he would always bet against himself at getting a goal, wouldn't he? So, yeah, but we're not in a bad place. But if we could find somebody out there, that, that could a uh, Dennis Law type character, you know, um, would be laughing. <laughs> Great stuff. Let's put Scotland away in a wee drawer for another month and hopefully in a month's time we're just as happy. Right, it's back to domestic business this weekend with the United and Dundee both in action. Uh, looking at United first, a public service announcement for United fans. They will get into Easter Road on Saturday, but they're trialling the new COVID passport status things uh, today. Although, interestingly, uh, after all the trouble with the app, Hibs have said it would be much better if you brought a paper copy with you. There's nothing like old-fashioned paper, is there? It's another sort of layer of stopping people going to the games, Tom, I think, at the end yeah. of the day. It's, a, it's an entertainment industry and we're trying to encourage people to go. Now, if you keep putting in these sort of measures, and I know it's important, but if you're, you're making it more and more difficult for fans. Like, you know what? I'm not going to bother if you've got to start all this nonsense and queuing up outside the ground and standing in the rain waiting to get in and somebody check and you're... And they're just doing a job, but you can guarantee... You know, fans get agitated by this and you can, you can see a wee bit of bother trying to get in if the game's kicked off and you're trying to get your paper copy out your back pocket and amongst everything else that's in there after you've been to the pub sort of thing before kick-off. And Scottish fans are notorious as well, Tam, for... You tell them, get to the game early and you'll get your thing checked. Turnstiles so open at one o'clock. Yeah, I know, I know. But what, are they going to, to, what are they going to do for the next hour until somebody arrives? You know you, you know what it's like, you've been there yourself, you're standing there, it's quarter to three, I can manage another pint before we go and you're, you're a ten minute walk to the ground most of the times anyway from the nearest pub. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I hope it all goes smoothly. I mean, I know that Dundee are at Tynecastle the following week, so it'll be interesting to see what happens at, at, at uh, Easter Road. But, uh, well, yeah, by that prepared. time, I might be compulsory. I will be compulsory yeah. by that time. Yeah. Must, be, I must not, not from an good. ethical point of view, from a practical point of view, I'll, I do almost wish they'd just said, by law, you have to have a vaccination. Yeah. Because then yeah. everybody, they, you know what I mean? I'm not yeah, getting into the anti-vax that, argument. I'm, I'm pro-vaccine, yeah. but I'm not, people have got a right to their own opinion. But as I say, just from a punter point of view, you had to get it the you you'd got yeah. it. Yeah, and it's and, it's all expense as well. Yeah. It's all expense. The clubs are going to have to pay for these people like, to stand outside the gates and check. We're talking about introducing VAR, which is going to cost money at a time when clubs clubs don't have money to, to splash out. You know, so where's this cash coming from? You know, you just so yeah, I'll be interested to see how it all pans out. But fortunately. From this side of the country, we're not going to be affected by it too much at Dens and Tarleys, if at all, really, uh, bar, the, bar the derby matches, I would suggest. So, um, yeah, that's one good thing. <laughs> and once they've, once they've gone through their checks, Ewan, it looks like a cracking game. Oh, I mean, it'll be an amazing game. I mean, I was at the, the Dunyanated-Tibbs game a few weeks ago in the Cup, and to be honest, Tibbs were outstanding the first half and their, their pace up front, you know, Boyle's pace. No, he is, never said Premier Sports Club over it. Have you lost your sponsor? Oh, Premier Sports. Have you yeah. lost your sponsorship? Sorry, <laughs> Sorry Premier Sports Club. Yeah. I, I still call it the bet, Fred. League Cup. Yeah, I'm old school. I mean, to be honest, I, I noticed that, I noticed in a podcast a few weeks ago, I was still talking about St. Murns Ground being Love Street, but... You know, I still, I still remember. I fondly, I know, I know it's a new location and everything now, but I still fondly remember. But yeah, okay, the Premier Sports Cup, um, Hibs were their pace really caused Coca-Cola United Cup. a lot of problems that night. And looking at the stats, and I hate to look at the stats, but um, <laughs> United haven't won um, in their last nine games against Hibs, and they've lost five out of their last six against Hibs. So they're going to be tricky opposition. Hibs have started the season really well. There's talk of. Hibs and Hearts maybe splitting the old firm this season the way they've started. But, but looking at the, the table, I mean, Dundee United, they're, they're, we're talking about how great Hibs and Hearts season has been this, so far, you know, but Dundee United win that game, they go above Hibs, you know, they'll, they'll go on to 17 points above Hibs and suddenly it's, well, Dundee United are maybe having the kind of season that Hibernian are having. It's all going well for Dundee United and has been going well since they had a pretty poor performance up at Petodri against Aberdeen, um, and they've tr- they've transformed their season a little bit since then. Um, and I and I'm doing a piece on Ryan Edwards, and Ryan Edwards talking about how they had clear the air talks um, after that game, and then they went on and they played Rangers the next game, and then that just seemed to click that day. So I'm hoping it will continue, and I'm hoping that the international break won't have sort of taken the wheels off a little bit because they were heading in the right direction. Max Biamo going to Mickey's. Debut, yeah, it'd be quite exciting to see him actually. I mean, having watched, I don't think he's going to be a 25 goal a season man or a 20 goal a season man, but he looks like he'll add something completely different. I mean, he scored a spectacular overhead kick in a game I watched. Um, he looks like he can score goals of all different descript, you know, he can score a header, he can score distance, and he looks like somebody that, well, I pointed out before, the, the fans, the Coventry fans. We're really sad to see him go. He looks like a, a, a has the potential to be a fan's favourite. So yeah, I'm really looking forward. I think he'll be ready to go. Um, I think that he he'll be he's he, he's got a good chance of probably starting the game or at least coming on uh, alongside Nicky Clark and George. 
I'm actually reading the notes this week, George. You'll be pleased to, since you well, got all the trouble. Because I usually just ignore them. Because re- reading's rubbish if there's no <laughs> pictures. But Nis- Niskin and another of the recent arrivals at Tanneris, he should come back from his time with Finland on a wee bit of a high. Definitely. I mean, how he'd obviously missed the Euros and he last season we not playing too much uh, over in Germany. He'd kind of fallen out of the picture. But he was back. The Finland squad got, I think it was 12 minutes against uh, Ukraine on Saturday. He's back on the pitch. I don't. I think he was left on the bench for the game, the second game. Um, I can't remember. And it doesn't say in the notes, so I don't know. No, that's why I can't remember either. Um, but no, I definitely... That, that, he'd be flying at the moment, I think. Cause it, it, as we were talking last week, how much he seems to be enjoying life. He's a flying fan. Adding a bit of international flavour. <laughs> Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Down the wing, Mr. As well. Cliche's back, lad. <laughs> uh, I tried. I was, I was. I was. I almost said on cloud nine, and I, t- I tried to avoid that, and I went for the fly. Seven right. heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he'd be he'd be in a great place at the moment. I think, and that's only good for Dundee United. I be that, that. That's the thing you you often see in the the big leagues like England. You know, managers moaning about how many players they had away. But when you've only got one or two and, and, and they're getting involved and they've been successful, it's actually a good thing, isn't it? It's a, it gives you a buzz about your dressing room going into your first game after the break. Yeah, he'll come back. I mean, he, he, he's obviously started his, his career at Dungeon United quite well. He's on international duty. He'll be on a bit of a high himself. I mean, he'll, he'll have learned. You go away on international duty, you learn from the players around you. You, you pick up good habits. You pick up good habits in training. You pick up good habits in the change room. And you pick up good things on the park, and hopefully you'll bring it on uh, on his uh, performances for Dundee United. I mean, it looks like he enjoys his football term. There's not enough football yeah. players out there now that look as though they actually enjoy playing football for a living. <laughs> We'd all have loved when you were growing up. Everybody on this podcast surely would wanted to be a football player. You didn't get, quite get that opportunity to, to to take that step at the highest level. But you see guys out there who are earning. I never got to the lowest of, level. No, well, <laughs> you see guys out there earning thousands of pounds a week, and they don't look as if they're actually enjoying no. themselves. But this young lad certainly does, and uh, he looks as though he, he kind of stops smiling. So I think I think that's a good place to start from, isn't it? I think you're right about that, Peter. It's a good point you make. I mean, it's it's actually almost refreshing now when you interview a football player and you see that they're they they watch games when they're not playing. You know, because there's an awful lot of footballers that will play the game, they'll do their job, and then they switch off completely from the game. It's refreshing to speak somebody that that loves watching games and they're really like the like you say they're playing with a smile, they're playing with a passion, and I think that helps with the connection with the supporters, doesn't mm-hmm. it? You know, it bridges the gap because it makes them feel so. Well, he's one of us. You know, if he he would be in here with us if he wasn't good enough to play on the pitch. So. Um, he does look that way. He looks. I mean, he looked absolutely. I mean, we, we said it before, but he looked absolutely over the moon to have scored that his first goal a few weeks ago and against Ross County. And um, yeah, hopefully he'll come back in a high. I did notice that Dylan Levitt though missed out on the match day squad for Wales um, against Estonia the, the other night. So he'll be a bit disappointed at that because I mean he has got. I think he's got ten caps for for Wales. You know, so he'll be. A, Bit disappointed that he's that he's not quite, but he's still involved with them, and they're still got a good chance of. Well, they will be in the playoffs, but they've got a good yeah, chance of qualifying again as well. Mm-hmm. So moving moving upstairs at Tannadice, good news during the international break too, and it seems that if speculation is to be believed, there'll be a windfall when uh, Harry Souter gets a big move from Stoke either in January or next summer. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's our colleague Eric Nicholson who broke that story while I was on holiday. It was a brilliant story that he broke, and um, I mean the talk is that 
he could potentially move into the English Premier League for around £20 million. And we believe there's a sell-on clause of 15%. So if you do the maths, it could be as much as £3 million off of that that, that Dundee United would make, which would be an incredible windfall. Yeah, I mean, that would be amazing, though, wouldn't it? That, that would be Aye. an incredible windfall, you know, for, for, for them, for something that they probably had completely forgotten about. You know, I mean, he's been away from Dundee United for so long. I mean, um, mm. it wasn't as if he was playing in the first team regularly for years upon years or years, you know, so that's a, a massive bonus, you know, so it's what they do with that money, though, because, I mean, it's whether they use that to balance books, which I suspect they possibly would do to a large extent, but you would hope there'd be a little bit would be given to the manager to strengthen as well. So um, we're already spending the money before it's come in, of course, but um, Dundee United fans oh, will be desperate for him to move during the transfer. In fairness, window. that's just us being professional and and and, and, and Clubs are being professional by looking at them and deciding if they're going to move. And Stoke, even, I don't know if you noticed, are being professional. They've started looking at potential replacements. You see who's on the list of that? His brother. They're looking, ah, they're looking really? at his, they're, apparently they're think, not looking at his brother. And, he's, and John's a... They're quite different, though. You're always yeah. concerned that you're getting fleeced in this country yeah. when it comes to transfer fees, aren't you? I mean, no yeah. disrespect. Harry Shooter's done remarkably well, and he, he certainly has a stature to play down in England but the fact he isn't a Scotland international suggests that you know he's still got a bit to go so to, to, he's, uh, he's, he's actually an Australian what, international so a big yeah. we swapped yeah, him for London the fact he's isn't a Scotland international has everything to do unlike his brother he's a traitor but what I would suggest is he's still got a bit of development to do, you know, I, I yeah. don't think he's near the finished yeah. article. So to bandy around twenty million for him, you know, great, great play to Stoke if they can get that, get that for him. But when we're selling, uh, you know, if, if John uh, Suter is his replacement, how much will Stoke be willing to pay for John Suter, who I would suggest is a is a far more accomplished player than it's Harry Suter. Far further down point. the road to being yeah. a complete player, I think John Suter. Uh, at Hearts, when he stayed fit, which hopefully he's doing this season, I would mean if if they'd both done the right thing and pledged their allegiance to Scotland, I would say John would be ahead of him. Hopefully, mm. maybe yeah. as early as next month, John John Suter will be back in the squad. I'd like to see him in the Scotland squad. Then. Yeah, I think I think there's a there's definitely a gap there for somebody of that ilk to get into the Scotland squad. I think you know the John Suters. I think I think we could do with just another solid defender to come into that space and. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it in a while, potentially, but Charlie Mulgrew's another potential. And I, yes, know that I, be, I know that wouldn't be a nod to the future because, I mean, Charlie's not going to be there for the long term, but certainly the composure and, you know, his experience and everything, there's certainly a gap there for somebody of that ilk to come into the Scotland squad, I think. And, and it could be John Souter or it could be Charlie Mulgrew. Well, Steve Clark's shown with Considine, even uh, Paul McGinn recently, that, that he'll, he'll go for he'll go for experience that's doing well at club level. Now, if he had to do that just now, Charlie Mulgrew would have to be high on that list and has the huge bonus of already having a lot of international experience. Yeah, I mean, he's got 44 caps for Scotland. I mean, he's he's won, I think it's maybe five or six titles for Celtic. He's played a lot of games down in English football, but it's what he's done since he's come up to back up to the road to Scotland. He's not come up here for a holiday or just to, to see his career out. He looks supremely fit. Um, like I say, he looks very composed in the ball. And again, I go back to the, the interview I've done with Ryan Edwards. He talks about how 
he's a nightmare to play against for an attacker because he's so calm in the ball that he waits to the very last minute to to release the ball and draws the player in and then creates a gap. You know, he's he's just seems to, his brain seems to be a step ahead of so many other players in the park. So I would definitely have him in the Scotland set up as a calming influence. George, just quickly before we have to move on, would it be fair to say that with the benefit of hindsight, although Steve Clark predicted the, the Pharaohs game to be uh, as it was, Charlie Mulgrew might have been, that might have been his game because he's vastly experienced and very, as Ewan keeps saying, his composure in a game like that, mm-hmm. he would do a job and bigger, better quality opposition coming up. But if they had to throw someone in, you could rely on him, couldn't you? Yeah, that I thought Charlie Mulgrew did a great job for, for Scotland over the past few years. You could see that McTominay is kind of in the back line because we can't quite get him in midfield, but we want somebody who can play at the back against teams like the Faroes where we're going to have the ball. John Suter. The benefit you'd have with Charlie Mulgrew is that... Um, agent. <laughs> the benefit you have with Charlie Mulgrew is he's a proper defender as well. I, I, I'm not a big fan of McTominay at the back because I, I, he gets caught out defensively a, a few times. But Mulgrew has played centre-back for, for ages now, years and years and years. But he's a proper player as well, a great left foot. Had plenty of experience. I, I wouldn't be too too disappointed to see him back in that squad. Um, although he, he'll have to get himself fit first. Right. It's Scotland United. It's far too upbeat. Let's take a quick breath and then we'll get depressed. Right, chaps. I will. It's the middle of October. Are Dundee going to win? Silence. I think they might. I think I, I, I have a feeling. I've just been looking at Aberdeen's recent uh, run and it is not good at all. Although... Aberdeen always beat Dundee. We'll put that to one side. I think they've won the last 13 matches against uh, Dundee. But uh, Aberdeen, just look, I was looking at all the stats. The last, they've lost the last four games and their goalkeepers only made one save in those four games. Celtic scored all their shots on targets. Mern scored all their shots. No, uh, they missed one. Motherwell and... Somebody else, I can't remember. Bear, as president of the uh, goalkeepers' mm-hmm. union, should you not jump in here Scott and defend the lad? <laughs> well, no, they've changed their goalkeeper as yeah. well, so it's not just Joe I Lewis. I like Joe Lewis, but he has he has yeah. had the yips recently. Um, been on, St Johnston was the other uh, team, he's sorry. He's been, been under a wee bit of pressure, and I think that's Aberdeen's problem at, at the moment. You know, they are, they are leaking goals, which is hopefully hopefully good news for for Dundee, but the, the record at Dens is just it's quite staggering really over the years scary um, yeah. we're just waiting for Andy, uh, Andy Considine to c- get off his wheelchair and, and you know <laughs> score a score a couple of goals in the second half and that would put the tin lid on it but no it's uh, Dundee you've got to find a win it's as simple as that I mean they haven't played badly that's in Johnson that was as poor as they've played all season I've got to say so they need to, they need to get that one out of the system but most of all they need to get a win we're coming around now to the first set of fixtures you know being wound up and they've got to get a win on the board before before certainly that ends. Hopefully they'll have a few players back. Um, but it's going to be tough. Aberdeen have got their own problems to seek. Stephen Glass is, I mean, you know, we've got our sister papers up in Aberdeen and he's under real pressure up there. You know, I think they expected Dundee more. Boy. Yeah, they expected more, you know, especially the start. They made, they made a decent start in Europe and, 
you know, they got a great start against Dundee United, you know, early on in the season, and, and it looked as though everything was rosy in the garden. But since then, it, it's been all, it's been all negatives, and the pressure appears to be mounting. And, and they're talking about it in their papers, and the Evening Express and the Press in general is a must-win game for them coming to Den. So it's a must-win yeah. game for both clubs. So <laughs> you know, I'll not be for the I'll, draw, I'll draw all day long. Yeah. That, that's for sure at Dens Park on Saturday, but um, obviously. Uh, this side of, side of the woods, we're hoping that the Dark Blues finally get the first three points. George, that, there is some yeah, good that's news. That's why I'm feeling positive. good news so. for Dundee too. Uh, uh, Lee Griffiths is going to be available if, uh, and hopefully a few others. Yeah, I think that's, that's, well, I wrote in my column this week, that's, it's maybe a sign that fortunes are, are turning a wee bit for, for Dundee because it looked like Griffiths would probably get slapped with a, a decent sized ban. And then they would take a bit of time to get fit again uh, or match sharp. And you might be looking at uh, the end of the year in uh, January before he's, he's up to speed. But thankfully, that it's, well, thankfully, it's not a good situation to be in having a SFA here and, and a police charge hanging over your head. But with a good, hey, with, from a, with a good, point with a good view, solicitor, you can, get it, yeah. you can get it delayed and delayed until <laughs> next summer, hopefully. Well, you, it could be delayed way into next year. To explain, um, the SFA are not view. going to act until yeah. the, uh, any uh, legal, legal matters things, yeah. are, are, are concluded. So it means you can you can play games for Dundee. And since this is a football yeah. podcast, that's what we focus on. That has <laughs> to be good news. Yeah, definitely. And then you got to hope over the past couple of weeks, although he had that ankle injury, but he was back in training at the start of the week. You could hope that he's, he's a step closer to that match sharpness. We've, we've seen that he's not been quite up to speed yet, but you never know. If he gets a goal on Saturday, that could that could be up and running. And then you've got Charlie Adam is back in training. Danny Mullins back early. Uh, he was a key player at the end of last season. Um, did a lot of good work and scored big goals in the playoffs. Um, so players are coming back, particularly key players like Charlie Adam and Lee Griffiths. So things are maybe starting to turn, hopefully, but has to turn on the pitch and it has to turn it in the results. And Barry, you're looking forward to the six o'clock start? No, no, no. It's uh, it's, it's that's a new one for everyone, and uh, yeah, I hope it I hope it benefits both clubs. Um, but six o'clock on a Saturday night isn't really the ideal time for me for football. Like you say, I'm a traditionalist, like you had mentioned in previous podcasts. Three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. We know we can't all have that, but if if we can't have that, then probably the earlier kickoff would would be better. But uh, you've got to try things, and I've, I've done. You can make a few bob out of it, and, and Aberdeen can make a few bob. I might see a few more of them, you know, being played at that time. But it's, uh, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. It'll be interesting to see how many fans actually travel down from uh, the Granite City, and you know how many Dundee fans go along. If it affects the gate in any sort of way, hopefully not, because it's always quite a good atmosphere when when they when they come to town, because they do tend to pack out the uh, uh, the, the Shankly Stand, which which provides a good sort of uh, ping pong between the fans in the south enclosure and, and the rest of the ground. So, um, yeah, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see how it goes, Tom. Does it now just give you a few extra hours in the pub, though? Well, it does. Well, it does you not, but that, that, that's a concern, you know. So, because I, I doubt very much if anybody will change their actually meeting times. Normally, when I'm when I'm going out on a Saturday, but you know, I'll, I'll be around about half twelve, one o'clock. So. I'll That's probably still, eight probably still for beer, worrying, by the way. Worryingly, worryingly <laughs> it could probably still be around the same time. But uh, it could be a so few, it could take a wee bit of longer to actually get to the ground from the pub. Yeah. That's the only thing that sort of 
quarter past six ish as you're staggering up to the gate and you've got a well fortunately we don't have to produce our COVID passports or any of that nonsense. Um interestingly, <laughs> uh, just 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 uh, going on that I see Aberdeen have suggested that they won't be uh, checking any uh, COVID passports. They won't have to do that because their next sort of three home games, they reckon they're only going to get 9,700 fans, which oh, is 300 under. You know, they've said, well, you know, we'll be fine. We won't have to do that. But how they've sort of figured that one out, I don't know. But what happens yeah, if you sorry. hit 10,000? Do you have to ask everybody to leave and come back uh-huh. in with their passport? Check, check again, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not a, a game, is it the Motherwell Celtic game where they're, they're limiting the capacity down to is that 10? Right? Yeah, so that, so that they don't have that, to do the checks. But that's just, but that's just ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? That's yeah. just absolutely... It's imagine def- imagine def- saying that. It's defeating the purpose, isn't it? it? Yeah. You, know, you don't want to go do that, really. Right. Can't get enough fans nah. into football games as it is. Um, we're done the Aberdeen, six o'clock on Saturday night. Yep, it's a uh, big game for both clubs. Big game for both clubs. And uh, you, you, you're only hoping that, uh, I, I believe, I mean, George, you probably know better than me, but I, I doubt very much if James McPake will start with three at the back in this one after I the St. Johnson so. experiment went, went badly yeah. wrong. Obviously, it worked against Rangers the previous week, but uh, um, yeah, I think he'll revert to the four, won't he? I think so. I think it may be in the bin, the three at the back. Another uh, another Dundee news. Do, 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 do. Personally, because I remember him as a laddie at Dens, good to see Kevin McDonald training at Dens after his kidney transplant. No, I mean I I know nothing about where he's going to end up playing, but just because he's <laughs> a good talent and a good lad, and it's nice to see him fit enough to train somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's been. Obviously, we've seen all this. He made very public the, the kind of troubles he'd had, the health problems he'd had. I think was it was it his brother that donated the kidney, yeah, donated the, the kidney, yeah, which is amazing in itself. And and you're right, just to see him back on a training pitch. Obviously, it's old club. To I think he's just in the up in the city and and Carnoustie boy and get fit as he looks for a new club. So and yeah. he, to be fair, um, the pictures we saw, he looked fit and, and healthy, obviously. So he did. yeah, no, good stuff. There's a player there for great, somebody to pick great up. Great ability to what, what what interested me is how long. I mean, he, he he's had it for this problem that's got worse and reached this stage, but it's obviously I mean it's affected his career to an extent. But he still played in the English mm-hmm. Premier League, which is great testimony to him. Any time I've seen him play, he looks an incredible. He looked an incredible player. You know, obviously before he had his operation and everything and. He made a big impact in games I saw of when he played for Fulham and things like that. I mean, he's and he's played for Scotland as well. I mean, and he did well for Scotland, you know. And um, was he not a really good golfer when he was younger as well? Was he not like a close to scratch golfer? And I know that goes without should go without saying if you grow up and you're a you're a football player who always seem to be good at playing golf, but you grow up in Carnoustie. I mean, was he not also very good at that as well? Yeah, you and you've just said it, so it's true now. I don't know. Yeah. I remember him <laughs> just just about the the, the time because oh he, he's easy going big lad Kevin even at a very young age young age and I remember he when he first broke into the Dundee team he was a bit sort of laconic but Beryl remember this just be, just before he went uh, down to Burnley he started really taking a grip of, it was in the championship mm. but he was only a teenager he started taking a grip of games and really bossing them didn't he and I wonder yeah. if his kidney problem through the years has affected his ability while still play at a high level it's affected his ability to do that because by the time he left I, I honestly 
in terms of ability, and if he'd have stayed, uh, his, his health had been maintained, I think he could have been a top six player down in England. Yeah, well, I mean, there was talk, but was it yeah. Burnley you went down the first talk, Tom? Was yeah. It? But, yeah, but most talk when he, initially when he went down there that, that uh, Arsenal, Arsene Wenger was actually having a wee, a wee sniff about him, you know, because he'd played a couple of games for Burnley against Arsenal in one of the Cups and had, had been, you know, star of the show, but uh, never ever materialised. But here, I'm not taking nothing away from the lad, the Carnoustie lad going and playing the Premier League and becoming a Scotland international, you know, he's, he's not done Yeah, you can't, he's no, he's had no. a great, he's, he, <laughs> it's amazing, he's had a great career. But you do, you do think yeah. where where yeah. could it have been if it wasn't for the unfortunate illness? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, and also, okay, he, he kept it quiet for years. Yeah. Um, yeah he, and I, I remember him. He, he went to Sheffield Wednesday at one point. They loved him, and he he, he he was a big player for them. And they were distraught when he went to Fulham. I think it was the, that was the way he went. But. It, it, any chance, George, that he might sign a short short-term contract if he proves his fitness? Um well you, you know what James McPake is like when he, a good player pops up. He can't help himself sometimes. Um I, I, the honest answer is I don't know yet, because I'm just about to go up and speak to the manager uh for the pre-match preview. Um so I guess we'll, we'll find out. Then my feeling is probably unlikely. It's probably the one position Dundee wouldn't need when they got Charlie Adam already. Um, that, that's just my my instinct, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm sure it would please a lot of people to see him back in dark blue. I think I, th- I, don't, I think you're right, George. I think another time he might have been ideal. You give him given sort of you know his career and what, what he's done. Um, but at this point in time, the Dundee really need another sort of midfielder of that ilk. You know, they've got they've got Charlie, they've got McGowan, they've got you know, Byrne, McGee, and all these young lads as well, you know, Max Anderson have been trying to butter their way into sort of three positions in the middle of the park. So I would imagine that James McPake, I mean, obviously we'd obviously have to decide who's going to play, but it might just give him an extra headache Mm -hmm. rather than sort of, you know, easing a problem, if you you see what I mean, yeah. So you and Bear and George have poo-pooed it, so he's He's going to come on on, on Saturday, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he'll just appear for nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know what you're you're saying about it being difficult to fit him into the side, and I know Dundee Dundee have had that issue of having looking like they're top heavy with strikers as well in that sense. But he's a quality player, and I mean, if he, if he yeah, can know, if yeah. he can get back to the level, and I mean, it would just be amazing to see him back out in a football field mm-hmm. after what he's gone through, first of all. But if he can get back to any sort of level that he was at before, surely he would add something to that Dundee side. Surely a great situation for James McPeak to be in because somebody's going to have to take a gamble on him. Yeah. he he's not. It's not nearly as big a gamble because James McPeak is looking at him in training. Yeah. And, and maybe I'll be Tom that, I mean, just initially for the player as well, what suits him? Maybe a, a short-term deal, which Dundee have, have proved quite uh, good at, in the past in funding these sort of deals, you know. So um, I wouldn't break the bank for them, and you know, to have a like like you and said, you got a player of that sort of ability to call on. You know, a manager will tell you you can't have enough good players in your in your squad, you know. So <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think it's what Dundee need, but will he end up as a Dundee player? He might just, he might just end up in yeah. I do, yeah. I wouldn't rule it out, but I, I agree with what Bears just said. I mean, 
as, as your notes tell me, George, Greg Stewart's revealed that he had a conversation with James McPake. So, and and you look at others, and it's the thing I I remember the the, the one I always remember was um, during the Benetti era, I, because Nemzadzi was there. Ivano gave uh, this young Georgian kid uh, a tri- not a trial training facilities, and I said, "Oh, might you sign him?" And Ivano said to me, "Only." Only if he wants to sign for us because he's one of the most highly rated young players in Europe. He, he, he's been in dispute with his club back in Georgia. He's got his release after a, taking it to FIFA. And he's only training here because he's friend of the family. But if he wants to sign for me, I will sign him as soon as he says he wants to. But I really don't think we'll get him. And that was Zura Kazanishvili, who actually turned around and said, oh, I quite like it here, could have signed. <laughs> I think Ivano had his signature on a contract or something that looked like a contract because anything, anything that was in, in English at Zurab couldn't read. He said, Just sign right now, son, before you think twice about that. <laughs> so it's, 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 you, know, you never know. You, these things happen out of yeah. circumstance and convenience. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the main reason Kevin McDonald's at, at Dents just now is geographical because he's he's got the, he's got the local links and the links with the club. But you never you never know what what might happen. Absolutely. Well, that sounds like the silence tells me yeah, that sounds like that's that. And we've all, <laughs> also got to get George up to Dents to get even later news than you're getting from us today. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. <laughs> and you'll hear from us next week. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.